Hello, I am back, and this week, look who it is! It's me, <laughs> Aria. No, Scott, Mr. Maniac. Um, yeah, so Scott's joining us today um, because for some reason he likes Songwise and Fire. Who knew? Um, and uh, he also kind of likes, ki kind of likes the content that we make. I think just a little bit, a little bit. Not much, right? No, didn't think no, so. Not, not, not much, not much. No. Um, I think you've watched like five seconds. That does most people's heads in. Um, <laughs> right. So, um, obviously, we're going to go through everything as usual today. If no one no doesn't know who Scott is, um, he runs a relatively small YouTube channel on YouTube uh, called Miniac. Um, you may have heard of him. Uh, he's a... Uh... Yeah. Ed, do, do you want to say anything about your own uh, self, Scott, that people might not know? No, that was that was a great that was a great intro. Yeah, the YouTube yeah. channel that's on YouTube, and yeah, you might have heard of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah, oh, yeah. My name is Scott the Miniature Maniac. My channel is all about painting miniatures, the love of the hobby, the tools, the the techniques, everything. I love the hobby and everything about it. Even some gameplay stuff on there as well. So yeah, I like to do it all. That's that's what it's about, right? I know. Um, as of the last couple of weeks, I've been watching you play uh, one of your friends, Curtis, uh, on your stream on Twitch, um, yeah. which has been great. Uh, and uh, long-suffering Greyjoy player now at this moment, right? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. The problem is, I don't know if it's me or it's them. You know, it's kind of one of those situations. I'm, I'm hesitant to be like, oh, it's the it's the army. Uh, but yes, I have been struggling recently, not doing too hot on the win rate as of the last 10 games. Mm -hmm. um, we'll get there. Maybe maybe today we'll be about giving you some advice. Maybe, maybe... I love uh, that. There might be some Greyjoy players who you could look up to. Um... Uh, in the world sure. <laughs> uh, but no cool awesome well we'll get through all of that uh, in due course um so the first big piece of news uh, that's come out of this week was that um a song some fire uh, specifically gen con which is approaching we'll talk about gen con later on in more detail but um there was a rumor that you could change lists between day one and day two of gen con at nationals which everyone was like where <laughs> that seems really silly um They've come back out and they've basically said that's not happening. You enter your tournament lists as you would on a day one, and you play them on day two. Um, I don't know if you knew about that, Scott. Uh, if that was something you were aware of, no. I, I wasn't. Are they still doing the same two list thing like most tournaments do, or is it three lists perhaps? Just two lists, yeah, just normal two lists. Um, okay. So uh, it should be, it should be in theory, just like standard tournament, um, which I think literally everyone was like. That makes a lot of sense. That's what everyone else does. Why you did this different thing with list changing and stuff for nationals is just a bit weird um, and unnecessary. So yeah, that means positive news uh, for yeah. everybody. I have a question for you about that. Do you think that they changed their policy about the list changing because of the community reaction or because it was a mistake initially? I... Part of me thinks that it was a mistake. Um... I do think it was a genuine mistake, and I know that they have run events like that. Uh, Adepticon, I think, did it once, and I believe last year's Gen Con did it. Um, but uh, I also am aware that the community was, uh, was pretty out of it. Um, I know that, uh, obviously, guys in the Minnesota area, I know that Evan, for example, uh, one of the guys you know, um, is actually going to Nationals, and when he heard the news, he heard it through me. <laughs> I told him and was like, did you know this is a thing? And he was like, what? <laughs> um, and I know that he had discussed it with his community and things like that, and a lot of them didn't know. Um, so I think 
part of it is like community saying to people yeah no this isn't right um so i do think it's like part and parcel uh mistake and also community community outrage as they call it right um yeah a little bit of calm a little bit of calm b i got i got you yeah um cool so i mean that's the main piece of news right uh that's the uh in an entire week that's the only thing that happened we can move on end the episode go home i'm already home why am i doing that no the other <laughs> <laughs> the other big thing is um we actually saw and we have now seen uh models for boxes that are supposed to come out in q3 this year um good news we've seen the models and we can comment on the models and we can talk about all the characters and all that side bad news is that we've seen a release date a temporary release date which is looking like the end of december which isn't really q3 um unless oh. it's yeah that's a bit awkward uh, really i've kind of seemed to expect that from culminary cool or not though they have a lot of projected dates that they seem to be like kind of way off of all the time so part mm -hmm. of the course yeah exactly um yeah no um so We'll uh, we'll dive right in, right? And the first one to look at, uh, I know that this is probably a bit of PTSD for yourself, Scott, uh, given that the last stream <laughs> oh, no. I saw, <laughs> oh, no. it's uh, it's free folk. <laughs> uh. um, so uh, this is the Varimar six uh, six skins box, um, and we have got Varimar on top of his snow bear with an eagle. Uh, we've got his three wolves who i can never remember the names of and i'm sure he just randomly replaces them when they die anyway so who cares what their names are um his shadow cat and his eagle uh, as well his actual eagle on its own um first of all scott you've designed miniatures before you're pretty good at the whole looking at an aesthetic of a thing and seeing if it's good or bad opinions on the miniatures well, I think the one to really talk about is the top left. It's the actual character riding his bear. Um, mm -hmm. And I feel like when I look at that, I just see a whole lot of texture, a whole lot of bear fur. Um, so I guess for painting, that could make it pretty easy because like washes are going to settle really nicely in there. If you're a dry brusher, those details get picked up really nicely. But in terms of like someone who wants to paint it for fun and enjoyment, it's kind of a whole lot of the, the same kind of experience across the entire miniature. And that kind of goes for actually all the animals or Especially like the links in the bottom left is like just kind of like all just like uniform texture not the most yeah. fun to paint yeah yeah i can see that um i have to say that uh having done plenty of wolves for space wolves back in the day vampire count wolf packs and things like that it was very much pick up a selection of wolves sometimes you're holding like seven in your hand or whatever and just getting gray and just going well there's some dry brush and oh i get a different gray there's some more dry brush there you go done um yeah, they're not the most interesting. Uh, but as is always the case, you know, uh, we always get to see very interesting takes on these things. I don't know. I mean, this is going back a while. Um, were you in the community playing song when the Care Bears were done? <laughs> uh, I started playing. I started playing like maybe like a, a little bit over a year ago at this point. So I'm not sure if that was before or after my time. But I, think I don't was, recognize it though. I think it was before. Um, do you know the Do you know the skin changes and the skin changer bears from Free Folk? yeah 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 so someone literally painted up a bear in different care bear colors with the image on the the stomach and everything it, <laughs> it was uh That's, i love that so much <laughs> it was both a crime and also amazing um so yeah i think people will have excitement uh obviously the box itself um 
we can speculate on the rules. Uh, he is, I believe, if we uh, double check the description here, uh, we can see it's in Spanish. And thankfully, my Spanish is impeccable. Um, that is six tactics cards. That is one special rules card. Uh, it is one unit card, no, three unit cards, sorry, and one attachment card. So, okay, so we got a commander, an attachment version, mm -hmm. and some kind of like the three units. I'm guessing is like the bear, maybe himself on the bear, the cat, and the wolves. I'm guessing. I don't imagine. The eagle would have a, a unit. It's just a single base, right? So um, right. I'm thinking him as a solo, as a commander, perhaps, uh, with his units, and also potentially him as an attachment, which would go in uh, bear cav, of course. Um, right. Okay. Yeah, I was just going to ask the question, wait, do Freefolk have like a cavalry unit that he could go into, and they just got that bear uh, cavalry unit, like what, maybe a couple of weeks or a month or two ago? I mean, it depends where on the, where in the world you live. I think if you lived in, in Singapore, you got it like four months ago. Oh, yeah, it's old hat. If you're in the UK, uh, it isn't released yet. And if, if you're in the US, you've had it for about a month. Okay. <laughs> um, right, right, yeah. But yeah, it's, uh, yeah be the, it must be for the Bear Cav, I'm guessing. Um, you obviously aren't a Free Folk player, which is sad to my ears. Um, but... <laughs> uh, are you excited to see a character like this in the game do you think uh something something different yeah um i think in general we don't have a lot of mounted cav characters and i am painfully aware of this because of drogo who has expert duelist and is unkillable uh, you can't you can't deal with them so it'd be interesting to see like a cav version of expert duelist or some kind of tuning for that have a kind of an answer to people like that i don't know if it's anyone else is drogo the only one with expert duelist on a horse yes yeah he is yeah okay okay well more variety is interesting to me so yeah more more mounted characters as commanders attachments i think that's good for the game mm -hmm. yeah no i mean I, I i tend to agree um the more we get in terms of uh variety just in variety of, of anything really um is a positive uh <laughs> uh paul in chats is uh he's gonna paint the cat as the cheshire cat from alice in wonderland um excellent yeah so yeah um no no other comments on Varimar from chat no so we'll move on and we'll move on to uh this is something that people have been crying out for i think for a long time um baratheon sufferers all over the world are happy this day that they are getting the this I mean, this is a tasty box. Um, we've got Stannis on a horse. I mean, do we need it? To, to, just Stannis on a horse, right? That's all that matters. <laughs> uh, yeah, those models look awesome. Yeah, they they really do. Um, I have to admit, I think they've gone ab above and beyond themselves with some of the characters in terms of like the sculpting and yeah, these are phenomenal. Um, yeah. Absolutely. I'm, I'm a huge fan of the medieval aesthetic that this game introduces. Um, and like these guys, especially the guy right in the middle, Stannis, like Mounted Knight, kind of really gives me that knight in shining armor vibe that I love from King Arthur and stuff like that. And some of the even the more understated ones, like the two characters, bottom right, top right, those are simpler looking models, but their poses are really cool. They're not overdone, which is another element of this game that I really like in design. Mm -hmm. yeah, these, are, these are really attractive models for sure. I have to admit the uh, a lot of people saying Patchface, uh, top top middle, the the jester, um, that he's quite a nice model, and I I think he is. But for me, 
and I don't know if it's just roogie type vibe. Bottom right, the guy with the dagger and or the short sword and his, his long sword, that is just that's quintessential rogue like yeah. pose and they've just pulled it off really well. Um, yeah, I agree. I agree. It's a simple thing executed really well and I think it looks great. Yeah. Uh if Carlo was here, um he would talk about the tactical rocks that we see on a couple of those guys. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> um but to be honest, they don't feel they're not imposing. I don't feel like they're out of place. Um so they're not too bad. I can I can live with those. Um, yeah, it gives the model a, a maybe a more interesting pose. Does uh does Carlos not, not like the the rocks at all? Oh, Carlo doesn't like anything on rocks. Like honestly, <laughs> when people when people add height to miniatures, Carlo gets angry. He's not just upset. <laughs> he's not just disappointed. He's he's physically angry. Um, okay. So yeah. Oh, uh, so no drinks on the rocks for Carlos either, then, eh? No. <laughs> Uh, so, in terms of the characters, we've got obviously King Stannis on the horse. Um, I have to ask before we move on to the potentially next reveal, as you might guess what the next one might be: um, Are you a Stannis boy or are you a Renly boy? Hmm. Okay. I need to reveal some potentially embarrassing knowledge about myself. I have seen the first maybe one and a half seasons of Game of Thrones, and I've read none of the books, so. I don't really have much of an opinion about the two. I know that okay, this might be bad. Is Stannis the older brother who's bald? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh God! Thank God. Okay. <laughs> um, I think his younger brother is, is like a, a mega twerp. So I would prefer Stannis. He, I, I can't handle that guy. He's just too annoying to listen to. Yeah, we'll, we'll go with Stannis. Uh, I'm glad you chose. You chose well. You chose well. Okay. Uh, good. Good. <laughs> uh, I know there are a lot of Renly fanboys, uh, but I, I have to admit I prefer Stannis. Um, yeah, I, I have to. Yeah, we'll, we'll breeze over the fact that you barely know anything about the lore and stuff. Um, Marwin in chat is probably going to be like vomiting up everything that he's ever eaten uh, because he'll Marwin, be. Please. <laughs> he'll. Uh... <laughs> yeah. See, read none of the books. Streams over. Mickey kick him. Um, yeah. Yeah. You've made uh, you've made Marwin very unhappy, but it's fine. It's fine. He he doesn't rule the uh, rule this roost, uh, even yeah, though he thinks he does. Right. Um, Characters we've got uh, Justin Massey, Dale Seaworth. Uh, do you know? Do you know? You must. Well, do you know Davos? Davos Seaworth. Yes, that name yeah. is very familiar. Yes, he's the guy with the he had like tops of his fingers cut off because he helped Stannis. Um, but yeah, he's uh, one of his uh, his older brother, uh, older son, I believe. Uh, Dale is uh, in the box, which is always good. Always love to see uh, more Seaworths in the game. Um, and we're getting to see a, a maester as well. Um, specifically, we've got 12 tactics cards, so we can assume two commanders in the box. I think it would probably be fair to say that, at a guess, we're going to get Commander Stannis on a horse. <laughs> um, and probably it says uh, it says we've got a, a real mix of the other alternatives, which so we could be looking at Justin Massey, Dale Seaworth, or brian farring um and the two ncus are almost certainly going to be maester crescent and uh Patchface, um the jester i can't imagine the jester taking to the battlefield but who knows i have a question for you go on so there aren't many mechanics like this in i want to say most miniature war games but a lot where it's like they give you a benefit and then they also give you a little bit of a negative the one mm -hmm. thing that comes to mind is like strange relics like from your on Greyjoy. yeah 
Um, so I'm looking at this this jester, and I can't help but feel that maybe he's going to have a similar mechanic like that to him. And I'm curious, do you like those kinds of things or no? Um, I like whether I like them. I think depends on on the flavor of them. I think um, it's interesting you bring up Euron. Like, do I think it's good? Nah, I don't think it is. Right? Do I like it? Yeah, I actually do, because I think it gives, like, Euron, I can see it as the flavor, like, he isn't very much liked by most other people in, in the Greyjoy forces, um, he is, like, the outcast, if you will, so him being in a in a group bringing this benefit, um, but with this negative downside, I think is thematically correct, so yeah, that doesn't bother me, um, okay. but it does mean that, unfortunately, he's not quite as good as you want him to be. Um, yeah. I think that's, that's the thing, Euron... And you, well, we'll talk about it later on in your uh, the fun times you've been having uh, with the Greyjoys. Um, I think Euron has that problem where he's just a bit not good enough. Like two pillage tokens is nice, but it's not nice enough. Um, yeah, to have to take one damage each turn or each uh, action. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I got you. Because you kind of want to put them on Reaper, uh, Reavers, right? And then just run the Reavers forward and just kill everyone. But then you feel yeah. really bad for doing it because your Reavers die. <laughs> yeah, um, they died a little bit too easily. Yep, I got you. So, uh, we're going to get five attachments in the box, two NCUs, um, and two Commanders, which is great. But we'll move on to... Uh, I mean, this box is probably, in my opinion, this is probably moving on to one of the best value-for-money boxes ever. That they're ever going to release and it is Brathian Heroes 4 with Renly and uh, the Renly's Queen's Guard as he calls them um, those guys are fantastic um, playing on that knight aesthetic that we talked about before um, I think these guys are, are really pulling no punches on the design um, uh, what, no, what, are... what do you wow. think? holy cow <laughs> All right, I might be a Renly boy after seeing these. I don't know. You've just uh, seen just seen them up close and was like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> yeah. So I, the one issue I had with Brathian, which is why I didn't go with them in the first place, is because they had the some of the models just had like very giant antlers just like kind of all over the place and kind of just felt a little bit uh, intrusive but these guys it's tasteful maybe the one person who's the commander has it mm -hmm. um and then yeah we're we're really punching that king arthur aesthetic up to 11 with these guys um super cool i love it i love it a lot i i can very easily sing uh a oh, rainbow guard not queen's guard apologies um i can imagine these guys being picked up uh purely for a painting hobbyist right for for someone who just wants to paint nice models this is a box to pick up um absolutely and then as uh, as chat was correcting me on uh they are the rainbow guards so they've all got different colors as well associated with them so i can mm. imagine people playing with that massively and not just doing silver armor this that and the other but giving those tints and those washes um that's juicy yeah, that's really cool. So they have like a similar kind of idea as like a questing knight might have, where you have like a a knight who's from a particular province or area wearing his regalia, and then he goes to fight for someone else, but keeps wearing his own clothing. That, um, that kind of style, cool. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Um, I am looking forward to this box to come out because obviously, I, I mean, it's a new unit, right? Uh, which we'll get onto in a second. Um, but it's just cool characters, uh, lots of scope, um, and that does bring us into. Uh, the next part is uh, 
the actual box itself, um, we've seen the models. The it's a unit, right? It's a unit. Have you ever seen Joffrey's Kingguard, uh, Kingsguard on the field? Okay, the first time I've ever played against them was actually in the last qualifier for for nationals. Um, oh god! And it was it was it was surprising. I had never seen that unit before, but yeah, a lot of interesting mechanics. Yeah. Um, well, they the 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 uh, the Rainbow Guard coming out for Renly is exactly the same design as the Kingsguard. Um, so we're going to get eight models, one of which will be Renly, and then all the various different characters of the uh, of the Rainbow Guard. And then we're also going to get four Baratheon banners on the back of the unit, which will be some form of buff mechanic. We're guessing in the same way the Kingsguard. Um, I'm stoked. I'm stoked. There's so many ways they can take this. Every uh, character will come with an attachment card as well. So you're, you're not just talking a new commander, you're talking bunch of attachments you're talking special rules to the the unit as well um uh, i'm seeing i'm seeing so many names in this paragraph here so <laughs> yes and these characters also be so they can be normal like warriors yep. for renly but they can also be attachments to normal like as individual characters correct yeah yeah, yeah. oh wow okay nice so, yeah that, that, that's so much value in this box incredible yeah, yeah it really is um not so much in 2021 uh in the newer newer balance of the game but in 1.6 for example um when the king's guard were kind of like first released it was a fantastic value for money box you got all these characters you got joffrey himself with uh with all the various different iterations of the attachments or having as the king king's guard and back then it really was like you know you saw uh, i think it was preston grenfield in competitive play uh so it was even good, like we saw a lot of these attachments make top tier lists um which is lovely to see as well. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, as you say, seven characters, including Renly himself. Dang. Dang. <laughs> that's amazing. Right. Yeah, that's incredible. We'll move on to the last one. And I feel I feel like this one's probably not a great one for you either. Because um, it's a targ box. <laughs> it's like your mortal enemies getting all of the bonuses. Um <laughs> So, we have uh, these six fellows here. Um, I'm I'm not sure. I quite like them. I think the colour... I have to say, the the renders of the, the dark plastic, I don't feel does them massive favours. Um, but uh, but I do think the models are, are alright. I really like the uh, Unsullied Captain, top middle. Um, he's got a, quite an intimidating pose. Don't really want to meet him down a back alley. Um, Not at all. But yeah, we've got uh, got a mixture here, including uh, a character that's been missing uh, from, in terms of a lore perspective, that people have been asking for quite a lot, which is Masande. Uh, Daenerys is kind of like scribe or helper, um, which is, I'm guessing, that tiny little child model. Um, yeah, yeah. I so. like uh, bottom right's nice. Mm -hmm. um i like that mask looks really cool top left is also good though i like he has he's kind of like a larger fellow he's got a nice cool round volume for his stomach mm -hmm. to paint um but I, so i only know about targaryen what i hear through the person i play against the most and that's curtis yeah. and his perspective and he he has been experimenting lately is that really drogo is kind of their premier commander and the rest aren't amazing do you share yeah. that perspective yeah i mean if we look at i mean when we look at things like data and stuff later on, yeah, Drogo, Drogo is like competitive. He'll 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 hold down top tables potentially, and he is comfortable in willing events. Um, we have seen like 
uh, Grey Worm do okay. Um, we've seen a couple of others represent fairly well. We have not seen any standout commanders outside of Drogo, though. Um, and that's a shame. Uh, I mean, in some ways, everyone's kind of a little bit glad because Mother of Dragons was a plague onto the universe. Um, <laughs> so that disappearing was uh, as a positive but yeah the uh yeah the the commanders yeah. have been lackluster for targaryen outside drogo um, so they kind of need this which is why i'm kind of bringing it up right yeah they do yeah. yeah um it's also good i mean i've i'm always a big fan of attachment boxes or uh, hero boxes in general because we're also you also get ncu options and ncu options is what makes your faction interesting because they add a very different flavor to the board uh, and style that you want to play. Um, I'm sure you're aware, like you, uh, with the Greyjoys, you know, you have quite a few now because of uh, the Greyjoy two box getting released. Yes. Yes. But prior to that, it was like you'd, you'd look at Eric and go, "Well, he's pretty good." You'd look at Wendemere and go, "He's obviously good," and you look at Aaron and go, "Oh God." <laughs> <laughs> um. He's just, he just, Aaron just makes me sad because he should work. I can't wait to talk to you like, in more detail about, about <sighs> this with you because yeah. I, I think I'm going to have maybe a little bit of a different opinion. I don't oh. think Aaron is necessarily terrible. Like in particular lists, he's, I think he might work, but I want, I can't wait to hear your opinion about that. Yeah. Okay. We'll get onto it. Um, cool. So uh, in terms of characters, we've got um, Miss Ande as obviously uh, the big one, the scribe. We've got Miri Mazdur, who if anyone isn't sure about, this is the one that I'm, this is talking, I mean, actually a topic you brought up earlier, Scott, um, in terms of like a negative mechanic. If anyone who doesn't, doesn't know the law very well, Mizzy Mazdur is the witch who essentially killed Drogo. Mm. So she's not a, like, Daenerys burns her alive. To breed her dragons <laughs> yeah like it's interesting yeah, she's here now in this in this army with the same in the same army as drogo the person that she kills in the in the story yeah, yeah. it's kind of interesting um but going back to the negative mechanics you're talking about potentially a negative mechanic there uh that yeah. we can bring in um maybe she allows you to randomly birth a dragon mid-game please for the love of god no <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah like maybe you have to sack the attachment and like a few wounds off the unit and you get a dragon i mean that'd be crazy that would be crazy. That would be amazing as well, though. Absolutely amazing. <laughs> um, we also get uh, Hisdazo Lorak, who is a one of... God, my law knowledge really stretched to the limits here. I think he's one of the leaders of either the Brazen Beasts or the um, the other one, who I can never remember the name of, uh, the tribes or the clans that develop inside the freed cities after uh, Daenerys kind of captures them back. Um and we've also got Marzalan and Shazak Mo Kandak again. Those are the two commanders we've got there. Again, they're leaders of the various different tribes um, as well within that. So it's positive. I think a lot of people are keen because I think it means we are potentially going to get a cheap version of an unsullied type unit in like the brazen beast or or the long rumored and never revealed or never seen gladiator unit for the targaryens um which i think could be interesting um yeah apart from that i, I mean I, I kind of agree with that they do have you have a lot of 
I don't know. Do you consider all the Stormcrow units to be like thematically Targaryen, or they kind of like just kind of added on? Oh, for me, I feel like they're added on, right? Um, They were, Stormcrows were released in 1.6, and they all came out, and some of us bought boxes of them, because neutral units, it's always useful to have things like that. They predominantly appeared in very competitive Stark lists, um, and they were very popular in 1.6 competitive Stark lists. Stormcrows basically made the backbone of the unit and the list. Um... And then they released an update in 2021, and they basically said, oh, by the way, Stormcrows are now Targaryens. Yeah. Oh, kind of weird. So <laughs> it's good to maybe see some light at the end of the tunnel that they might get some cheaper infantry options, some more play styles for Targaryens in the future. That'd be cool. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, uh, and I think Targaryen players everywhere are a bit put off by that because it was like, oh, we, instead of designing new units, we just gave you a bunch of stuff that already existed. And that always feels bad yeah. to anybody. Yeah, um, definitely. Imagine if I came around and was like, hey, Scott, you know, like, uh, uh, cutthroats? Cutthroats are just in your faction now. You know? Not okay. No. Um, I mean, part of the reason why I only run Greyjoy and don't run neutrals is because I love that feeling of, like, playing an in-faction army, feeling specific and thematic. So, like, if I was a Targaryen player, I would also I would hate that especially. Yeah. Uh, a faction purist nothing wrong with that <laughs> yeah, yeah so um yeah that's the uh, the four boxes we've now seen uh seen the models we can see the unit descriptions and we basically know at this point what we're expecting in the box uh for each uh, of course we have no idea what any of the rules actually are um but some pretty big hype there for q3 for certainly those three factions um we are not, as far as I'm aware, expecting anything Greyjoy um, in the near future. We haven't had anything Greyjoy since Greyjoy Heroes 2. Although, arguably, I lie, technically speaking, we've got Drowned Men who are coming out, are released, aren't released. Who knows? Coming out, yes. Uh, uh, you know, honestly, I feel like I feel like we have a lot of stuff for Greyjoy at the moment. And mm -hmm. I guess there are, there are two ways to balance a game. You could change the rules of the game. You can change like the models that currently exist in the game, or you could introduce like new mechanics and new units into the game, like mm -hmm. via like new releases, which is much easier to do. But I kind of feel like we have a lot of options that are pretty good, but it might just need some tuning instead of kind of just piling more stuff on top. But I don't know what you think about that. No, I, I agree. Um, sometimes like, you say there's two schools of thoughts about it, really. Uh, I'm a f we are in favor here uh, of more regular updates. Um, we we worry here, obviously trying to create the community, push the song by some fire to get to as many people as we can. Um, we would rather the game was updated and supported, maybe balance every six months. Um, but we also know that there are a lot of players out there who don't like the amount of balance updates there are one a year is sometimes too much um and for for hobbyists and for people who are like generally lower on the play rate i know for a fact you know um you wouldn't want to come across the game if you're only playing like once a fortnight to once a month and then find out after six games the rules have changed again because you've barely even explored the commanders you've you've got um uh, yeah so i can i can really can see it from that end um but yeah, I do think for, for the more extreme players among us who are playing far too many games of it per week than we should, uh, 
<laughs> the balance gets a bit stale. But I, I, I actually don't think the balance for season one is stale yet. Um, and I do think new releases, as you say, I do think new releases punctuate that. Um, and if anything, like big, let's say, I don't know, Martels get released. Maybe. I don't know. Um, we saw a little, we saw a little release of Martels in the Discord, didn't we? Or was that fake? Well, <laughs> it, de <laughs> it depends which release you're talking about. There is the ever-growing <laughs> April Fool's joke uh, that Evan ever posted. April Evan Fool's up. joke. <laughs> uh, that has that is. I have to admit that is a um, that is a, a meme that just keeps on giving uh, and still know, gets spread it around. It's great. Um, but we did see, and you do actually touch on another piece of news. There was, for a brief period of time, somebody who posted a load of information on Martels. Um, oh. On Reddit. Like actual? Yeah, yeah, yeah like information? actual information. Um, okay. It all got taken down very quickly. Because uh, I think it's, it's, strictly speaking, it's a leak. Um, now, whether or not it's good, bad for the game health, whatever, it, the fact of the matter is it was out there. It was put out there. And if something gets put out there, as we know full well... Once it's out, it stays out, right? You can yeah. never delete anything from the internet. Okay, um, so are you suggesting something right now? Are you saying that, have I got copies of exactly what was posted? I mean, that's exactly what I'm asking. But yeah, 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 you yeah I work. do. <laughs> 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 um, so I, I, I'm not going to dive too deep into this, um, partially because people don't know like this is it's not 100% confirmed if this is real or not um i've spoken to the people that i know in the game who are within these systems who didn't leak it by the way they're not involved with the leak uh they have seen these and they have said yeah that does actually look a little bit like it there are rules missing from what has been seen um so yeah they're all there it's a bit like the 2021 leaks if anyone remembers that um it's a little bit like that take them with a grain of salt um but they are out there uh the most interesting thing and this is going to be a completely new experience for you scott they have an ncu commander coming out oh okay so i heard something about martel's having some kind of mechanic where like nc like they could kill other ncu i didn't hear about ncu commanders that yes. sounds super interesting so um ncu commanders used to exist uh in 1.6 they got rid of them after 1.6 because they were a plague unto the game uh basically being that your ncu commander was your best commander almost 100 percent of the time because it was just a free ncu Who... oh okay it couldn't can never die either yeah yeah so if i told you you could have all your commanders you could write exactly the same list as you currently make and then as your third NCU in each list, or take a two NCU list, and then you can just have Eric Commander for free as an NCU. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Why? Why wouldn't you always do that? That doesn't yeah. make sense. Exactly. Um, and uh, yeah. So obviously they were removed for balance reasons, thankfully. Um, but the door was always open. You know, the, the design team have always decided to you know, open new avenues. But I think Mag with the kind of like independent model who can also be a commander or not really opened the door for them to explore that a lot more. Um, and we see Doran, uh, in case anyone hasn't seen the Martel box, it's 
the guy on the front in the wheelchair um who yeah doesn't make much sense to be on a battlefield he can be your commander as the head of house martel but he has an on-field commander that replaces him his bodyguard takes his spot on the field but he's an ncu and he costs five points as a commander to be an ncu which i think is really good um so you're paying for the ncu but getting a commander as well um and some kind of representation on the game as well yeah yeah um okay it's body bodyguard ario hotar who is a guy with a big fuck off axe um okay but do, uh, we, do we know what happens when ario dies to the ncu yet or no we don't okay okay i i actually based on the rules here uh doran for five points um allows uh area hotas unit as a replace zone effect um he can oh. pivot then march or perform a retreat action um so if he's dead his unit's dead i'm guessing doran doesn't really do much uh, right yeah you can, you can take zones but it doesn't get a special ability yeah um okay, cool yeah no it's that's it could be really interesting design uh philosophy um the other big kind of news if you will um from this that we saw is that the tactics cards names are kind of dumb um they have such great card names as sand diplomacy <laughs> um i trade the... some sand for who knows what <laughs> Peace, peace in our time for sand. Um, yeah. Insert uh, Anakin. I don't like sand meme here. Um, <laughs> uh, they also have uh, another card called Rising Temperature, which is a little bit thematic, but is not exactly very uh, is not exactly very fun. Um, and I believe the last one, uh, which is truly brilliant, is uh, where is it? If I can find it. Oh, I think it's not on these ones, unfortunately. Um, they do have another one, which is is truly awful. Oh, there you go, June Tactics. June Tactics, all right. There you go. Which you made me immediately made made me think of course <sighs> June, the film that just came out. And right, yeah, someone just said in chat, which one was Desert Power, uh, which is <laughs> like a yeah, I love that movie, but of all the pieces of dialogue, that was certainly the weakest part. Uh, Desert Power, it just felt super <laughs> super lame. Um, yeah, I mean, the other ones I can't really complain with, like Unbowed, Unbent, Unbroken. Those are the house words in in the law, so that's fair enough. Uh, superior positioning is a card that already exists, uh, so I can't really complain there. Uh, I quite like Ryanish Vengeance. Uh, you know, vengeance from the particular area of um, the area which they live. Um, that's their kind of quest card, basically, uh, that we see. Yeah. Um, so that's fine. No, I've got nothing wrong with those. Um, and they come with Cunning Ploy in the base deck, which if you've played against, against any Tyrion, uh, Cunning Ploy is a good card. Um, so, yeah, we'll see. Uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing how they change the game, because... Even introducing a new army with new mechanics can sometimes like force your opponents to try different lists, and mm -hmm. that in and of itself can cause some kind of a meta shift. So it's going to be good to see how it works out. The uh, the last part, which is I guess the big news um, for them, is that we see uh, 
the four point version NCU, the non commander version of Doran, brings a new tactic zone to the board in a similar way that Pre, Pre does. Um, he has this thing where he gains points or tokens depending on which zones he takes. And he gets extra victory points if he manages collect to collect a certain number of tokens. That's that's pretty good. Um, what do you feel about mechanics like that that award you victory points that your opponent can't get? Like this is like a special thing to this particular faction. I I think you've got to be very careful. Yes, I I agree. I, I think personally, I I just don't like it. Obviously, there's a, a way that it could be implemented that might work, but just at face value, I'm like kind of like not a fan of that. But I'll, I'll wait to see how it's actually kind of kind of yeah. shakes out. I think there there are some out there, um, and like Drogo's card that gives you an extra point for killing someone, um, or if you don't, I is it is it is Drogo? So it might be Barry's. Barry has a card where you put it on and. Um, if you kill them, you get an extra VP. But if they don't die, the person who gets the card uh, or was attached to uh, gets a VP. Um, so yeah. you can have this kind of like gambit play where it's like, I don't want that unit to get involved, but I kind of want to kill them. And it's like, is it worth putting the VP on them to kill them to get this two VP? Or is it kind of like, oh, I put that card on them and they've run away. <laughs> I just gave my opponent the VP. You know? That was a dumb. <laughs> um, right, yeah. So yeah, yeah. It seems it seems interesting, but I feel like risk versus reward mechanics sometimes can feel like really swingy. Yes. Um, which when they when they when they don't happen, it feels bad for you trying to do that gambit. And when it does happen, your opponent's kind of like, "Well, that sucks because I can't I couldn't do the same thing anyway." So it's like here's three points for you in a way. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, that's what I kind of feel. Yeah, I feel like if it's balanced, um, well. And you know about it, and it has ways to stop it. I think that's fine. Uh, it becomes interactive yeah. then. Um, yeah. So yeah, I think it's just as you say. I think there's these times where it's just kind of like, it just happens, and that kind of sucks. Um. All right. So all of that happened this week. Uh, the Martels are clearly down the line somewhere. We've seen uh, that War Factory PL, uh, the Polish distributor for the game has actually got them in stock and has been kind of uh for want of a better term leaking them slowly to people and when i mean leaking them slowly i mean they've been showing us pictures of the boxes a lot uh, and not actually any information um i'm guessing they're coming out soon if they're if, if poland has them in hand and we're getting pictures like this appear regularly then we are 100 percent going to have martels i would guess in the next kind of two months um okay so i wonder i mean like we, ha we, ha we have a big event coming up with nationals oftentimes companies will will pair events like that with cool announcements maybe something like that like who knows yeah that that is actually the rumor is that potentially it has uh has happened before that the winner of gen con um actually won a box of targaryens i think it was when they were released or baratheons it might have been um so there may be a box of martels at gen con that goes to the winner um which, hey, that is a good prize. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. fun. Love yeah. that. So I would expect to see these within the next couple of weeks. Um, spoiled, even if it is spoiled in Polish and translators working hard day and night to, to fix it. <laughs> <laughs> right. That is all the news. Are you happy we went through all of that news? 
I am. So I'm curious if you were to have like someone who'd have like more of an opinion about this stuff, does this segment normally take like much longer? I feel like you were kind of carrying it there for me. No, no, no. I mean, you did your, you did your bit, you, you know, you're the you're right, right. having your opinions there. Uh, sometimes we may take several hours, but that's because me and Carlo just chat <laughs> shit and don't say anything productive. I don't really know okay, why anyone okay. listens. <laughs> um, so no, absolutely fine. Uh, right. We have to move on to the main segment of today, which is talking about you, Scott. Um, mm. What's your name? What's your favorite hobbies? And which dating sites do you use? No, wait, hang on. That's not okay. the right one. Okay. okay. <laughs> yeah. Whoa. Didn't discuss that in the uh, pre-roll. <laughs> no. Uh, go on. Um, let's t- tell us a little bit about your story with the Song of Ice and Fire. Um, Absolutely. And also just uh, like where you're at with it. Go on. Yeah, sure. Um, so I started playing maybe like a year a year and a half ago, I can't remember exactly, but um, my friend, my childhood friend, moved up to where I live in Minnesota. Uh, mm-hmm. He made a kind of kind of a big life change, and he was kind of living in my house for a year. He's he's moved out since then. We were <laughs> wanting to find a game to play together, and um, kind of going over various things that I had in my closet. And I had, I, I knew of a song of ice and fire, and I kind of kind of forgotten about it because generally speaking, I don't like games that limit the uh like the design scope to what someone else controls in this case mm-hmm. george rr R. martin like if he stops making content this game has no ceiling well it has a ceiling but it's limited right they mm-hmm. don't control that ceiling so generally speaking i kind of just avoid games like that like even if they are good mm-hmm. um or i used to i should say um but i told my friend uh curtis that we, that there is a, a game based on game of thrones or song of ice and fire and he is a massive fan of that franchise and said let's do it I had nothing to lose. And so I said, sure, absolutely. And so we kind of got into it and started playing then. And I, at that point in my gaming career, I had not played a miniature war game like really consistently for like many, many years. I'd played maybe like, I don't know, like one to three games a year for, I don't know, like three or four or five years. So it was like kind of like really on the down low. Mm-hmm. Um, so I started to play Song of Ice and Fire with him. We both really loved the game. And so we started to play it more regularly, kind of like finding really any time that we could play it. And that has gone on for like a year and a half. And so mm-hmm. I don't, so I, we, we, started, we started to playing like maybe like, I don't know, like three or four games a week. And now we're, now we're kind of both settling at like one game a week. But like for someone like me to keep that schedule up for like a year and a half, like until this point, it was like, it's like, Kind of a testament to how good this game is. Mm-hmm. Um, he started on Targaryen. I started on Greyjoy. Uh, he plays Free Folk as well, and I also dabble in Starks. So we both have two two armies at this point. But I'm I'm, I to say, really enjoying this game quite a bit, um, and have been for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, where I'm at with the game right now, I think in my last ten matches, I'm like two and eight. <laughs> um, I uh, it's it's bad. Um, I I have a I had a bit of a not a rant, but like a brain dump in the Pike channel on the Discord I saw server. That. That... Yeah. Did you see that? Okay, uh, this morning, right? Uh, well, by uh, this morning, was it your late yeah. night? I, I have no idea. Yeah, <laughs> I, you know, it was last night, Sunday. I'm like, man, lost another game. This sucks. So I was kind of like, <laughs> I wanted to share some thoughts about like maybe some some different ways we could play. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so I play Greyjoy, and I think for like 95 percent of my gaming career, I've always played a three NCU list. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think is it's pretty normal. Is, are you, is that correct? Um, I wouldn't actually. I would say it's it's not 
necessarily normal um i would think it's a lot of people use uh, say it's like more competitive um generally okay. speaking but there are a lot of people who too, do play a lot of two ncus um you just don't hear about it that often um but yeah there are there, i'd say it's 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 fairly normal okay am i seeing Greyjoy there at the bottom of the list i know everyone was talking about it <laughs> Damn. <laughs> you are really seeing Greyjoy at the bottom of this. You are currently... See, I, I'm i not going to do this, right? I don't know how many pieces... I know you do have an account and have uh, used the site before. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, I'm pull not... it up. I don't care. <laughs> All right. Are we going to name and shame at this point? Yeah, I mean, like, I saw your MMR. It was disgustingly high. Like, <laughs> mine is mine is not that high, but I find... I find the most people that I play with aren't super interested in keeping track of stats, but it's definitely not 1900, like your lord. Um, hey, you are, you are, and I, I, I'm, I'm fortunately going to say this, Scott, you are fractionally below average. <laughs> <laughs> no, you are basically, I mean, you're basically average at this point uh, with the rating that you've got, which is fine. There's nothing wrong with your rating. Don't get rating envy. It really doesn't matter. Um, oh, yeah. It is just a number. I'm, I'm not too worried. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Um, so yeah, I uh, yeah, I've been trying to think of different ways to play. Like I guess for my own like personal game, and so I've mm-hmm. done a lot of three NCU lately. So I've been trying to uh, to do uh, two NCU lists. I heard a theory once upon a time that like with aggressive lists, maybe you want more, you know, boots on the ground, like actual units on the fields to be aggressive with, versus maybe just kind of picking up a third NCU slot that isn't always the greatest, just to kind of like mm-hmm. have another activation to kind of like wait to see what your opponent does. And that kind of makes sense to me. And so I've been trying out a couple two NCU lists uh, lately. Um, not with the greatest uh, results, but more more experimentation is needed still. No, it's fine. It is generally speaking, um, like when we talk about competitive and, and good list building, we talk about three NCUs as being a key point. Um, when we first started uh, stats, uh, myself and Carlo uh, played a lot of three NCU. That's what we played here in the UK. Um, and we believe we both firmly believed it was a better way of playing um made stronger lists and then when covid obviously hit and the international meta with tts kind of really kicked off properly um and stats was able to kind of like analyze data as well we basically showed that at the time it was it was like a 66 percent it was like two-thirds win rate for a three ncu in the three versus two meta if you will um so we kind of solved that being like three is generally better uh, but as you say, there is room for two NCU lists. Generally speaking, we see two NCU lists from the more powerful factions doing well. Uh, specifically, Night's Watch, Free Folk, and Baratheons can run fairly comfortable two NCU lists. Um, it can happen in Targaryen. I know that a couple of the US players, um, specifically uh, Craig Grooney runs a uh, Grunhagen. He runs a two NCU Stark uh, Targaryen list, which he's done quite well with. I think he's taking that to nationals as well. Um, nice. But yeah, it's it's a real mix. I think um, the truth of the matter is that Greyjoy is down in uh, down in the dumps there. I think they'd find it harder to run two, but on the plus side you are picking up an activation on the field for that. It's like you're, you're buying like a unit of Bowman or a unit of Trappers, whereas a lot of people, they're not even buying a unit when they lose that three, four-point NCU, um, whereas at least you've got that option. Um, yeah, so I have a question for you. Yeah. Um, nothing has really changed with Greyjoy 
other than we got new stuff, of course. Yeah. But when have, when did we start to see this this lowering in stats? Is it because other people have gotten better? Is that is that the problem we're seeing right now? The partially partially that um, I actually think uh, a lot of it is to do with the appearance of other things within the meta um, and okay. certainly the prevalence of certain archetypes um, Baratheon's getting better uh, specifically when we talk about Stannis side Baratheons uh, I don't know if you had any chance to play against Stannis Baratheons much um, yeah, maybe maybe once or twice. Not yeah. not actually as many Renly, mostly mostly Stannis where I where I'm playing. And you're probably getting burnt off the board by Melisandre, Lightbringers and that kind of Gosh, dude, Lightbringers. <laughs> who 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 wrote the rules for that unit? Like, what's wrong with you, man? Uh yeah, your morale seven and morale eight units just being like, take a minus uh they they failed. Uh those guys over there need to take a test on ten. What? <laughs> um, brutal. It's brutal. <laughs> just literally running away. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, the prevalence of those things. Um, and then what we've also seen is, like, Baratheon's coming up as well. This kind of, like, people just running a bunch of champions of the stag and running them across the board at you and go, I've got a two-plus armor. Deal with it. Uh, and people don't. Because <laughs> yeah, it's hard. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think a lot of it is that um, partially... Uh, I also think it's, uh, unfortunately, a natural conclusion of where Free Folk have gone to as well. Uh, Greyjoys, for a long period of time, was seen as kind of like a soft counter to Free Folk. Um, but as you know full well now, uh, Free Folk trappers with the auto damage, like, in 12. Yeah. Uh, I popped in on the stream you were playing the other day, and uh, I looked at your force and was like, yep. Most of his units are on half health, and some of those are archers that haven't even been attacked. They've been doing the attacking and losing wounds because of it. Um, yeah, that that is a bit rough. That game yeah. actually came down to I had to table him to win, but he had enough points to like like run around and 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 eventually win the game. So mm -hmm. it ended up being pretty close because I think Greyjoy healing can be quite insane if you yeah. get the right card at the right time. Um, but uh, yeah, that the trappers with you know making you take damage and then swinging at you again, like it's it's something to be feared for sure. Yeah, you actually you actually nailed a part of the problem as well. I think uh, in what you said there, in that the deck and the healing is really quite good if the cards come up in the right order. Um, yes. Yes. <laughs> if the cards come up in the what's wrong with Greyjoy right now? Because I'm down. Let's 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 talk about Greyjoy the entire time. I'm ready to go. No, 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 we can do this. We can do this. I'm sure we can spend the next eight hours talking Greyjoys. Uh, no. Oh gosh. <laughs> um, yeah. So I mean, let's let's have a little look. I have played some Greyjoys. You'll be glad to know. I did my I did my prep right, and I will show uh, show my profile off here for the second because it, I don't disagree with you when I show you this. Right. That is uh, Eric. Three like games Iron of Eric Maker? on the bounce. Yeah. What are you? What are you doing? It's the worst <laughs> commander. Oh, <laughs> uh, because I really want to see how bad he was. Um, yeah, he's trash. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he. I, uh... I haven't ever used him a single time. So I, I'm curious to hear your thoughts. Oh no, no. My thoughts are he's trash. Don't try him, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> like, okay. Good. Um, no. <laughs> you know what it actually is? He's. He's not. Terrible. He actually has some interesting things like uh, spending a pillage to auto pass a panic is quite nice. Um, yeah. Spending a pillage to block D3 in a melee attack for free kind of thing is nice. Um, his attack card for, I think it's like precision, vicious, and rerolls, depending on what pillage you spend, is quite nice. Um, 
the problem is you don't generate nearly enough pillage with Greyjoys at the moment. Um, you yeah. can't kill things. <laughs> uh, yeah. It kind of yeah. seems like when you have it, when you have it, it's like you, you, you kind of almost get too much of it. And then when you don't have it, it's like really hard to get. There's like kind of like this tipping point. And so mm -hmm. spending it, unless you're like really sure you can get it back, does feel kind of bad sometimes. Yeah. I um the first game I played I I have been playing Reapers who are terrible. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're bad, but they got that six morale, which is kind of yeah. nice. Um, yeah, they're okay. Hey, I, I eight point Reapers. I ran uh, Reapers with the two point Carl in them for the plus two morale, uh, and the auto wound. So I knew I was gonna get that vicious panic test off. Um, oh, hey, that's not a bad idea. Okay, yeah, nice. Yeah. It is. It's an eight point investment, and it's probably an eight point investment into something that sucks. <laughs> but yeah, maybe. But. It is fun. Um, and it also unlocks what I consider, which is really important, uh, with a seven dice attack profile on three plus. Um, the auto wound takes you up to a potential eight plus the panic. And then you can also get mm. two extra wounds from the two pillage. Means that you can actually max out at 12 wounds. I think it's, yeah, at 13 wounds. So, with a war cry yes. set up, it's not unreasonable you can one-shot a unit. Yes, and this is actually kind of a an interesting like element of the game because mm -hmm. generally speaking, like I would say probably like ninety ninety five percent of most units like have no way of one shotting a unit. So when it does happen, it's like a huge advantage because you can't get any kind of healing train rolling. Yeah, like you're you're like on top for like that point almost moving forward. So that actually, my last my most recent game. I had a unit of Iron Makers with Balon Greyjoy. I get one shot by Knights of Casterly Rock. Like, when does that ever happen? But that just that kind of just ruins the game for the, for the rest of the game when that happens. So Jesus. it's 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 worth investing in that maybe uh, for that for that kind of cool experience. When what was that quite late in the game, or did that happen quite early? That happened turn two. <laughs> Can I ask? Was did, uh, did they <laughs> did they have any pillage tokens on them, or were they? Uh... So okay, I let me explain the full story. No, no pillage tokens. Oh, um, okay. So I was I was a turn one against a unit against an army with two cav units. And generally, mm -hmm. how I like to set up for turn two is I want to give him two charge options. That if he takes one, I can take the other one, and I'm not like maybe I'm not losing out necessarily on uh, like getting charge. Like he's gonna have one cav unit with benefits that gets charge off, but I'm gonna be able to take uh, the benefit away from the other one. Mm -hmm. So give him okay. two options. Give him Vic with Silenced Men as an attachment. With uh, like uh, Baron was kind of sitting there buffing that unit. Then I had Iron Makers. Um, I thought the Iron Makers could live through a charge from Knights of Cashley Rock, but uh, they have Sundering built in, which I, I forgot about. And then he also uh, War Cried them as well for that vulnerability. Um, yeah. And he uh, and he played Hear Me Roar as well, which. Uh, so you got oh. me in one activation. So okay, I will say not maybe not super lucky. He set up for it. It was it was good. I also kind of forgot about some of those mechanics. So it mm -hmm. felt bad, but uh, but yeah, good 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 thing to remember when your opponent has that capability. Or otherwise, you're kind of on the back foot for the rest of the game. Yeah, I mean that's a that's a not only is that your commander, but that's a key <laughs> <laughs> key unit in the list. It's probably like outside of the Victorian Silencemen, it's the most expensive unit you're probably running. Yeah, uh, absolutely. That's sadness. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, it, it definitely was sadness, hundred <laughs> uh, percent. Where are the Where are the Greyjoy cavalry? Right, where is the light cavalry Greyjoy? <laughs> you could have just sent in and and taken the charge instead of Baron. Yes, um, yes, please.
yeah i mean uh it is it, it it is a thing it does happen um and yeah you're right in saying like in terms of one shot um it is actually how competitive games are also kind of like played around a lot of the time so we look at mm. like night's watch ranger hunters with the charge retreat off shoot you um that's very popular in just kind of killing anything that hasn't got good stats with two massive attacks um uh, a lot of free folk you know free folk chariots with there's too many they just kind of come in and go pump take that in the face um here's a minus six panic test with plus three wounds oh you rolled a three you just took six wounds from a panic test get wrecked um so yeah uh popular strategies and yeah when it happens it, it sucks um i do think that Greyjoys suffer from a lot of that i do um and without having access like you were saying before about if you're going down the route of like faction purists um it's difficult to really make the Greyjoys work in your favor um if any of that kind of comes up and certainly i don't know if it's true where about right round about your parts flayed men are quite popular oh okay yeah <laughs> I, I think that's probably true across the globe um yes. yes they are a very good uh what are they eight points eight point caveat yeah um yeah no no denying that vicious and ip put together Trip blow on the charge, re up save. Like, yeah, that's it's it's a great unit for sure. I'm guessing you've been done dirty by them as well. Uh, <laughs> I mean, yeah. So, uh, a friend that I play against who has targs, I think typically runs a unit of uh, flayed men, but he's kind of been bouncing back and forth between a couple of the other calf options in Targaryen, which I think he's kind of rediscovering are actually pretty good, um, like uh, point comparatively and also because, like, his list kind of went up in points a little bit because he ran Tycho Nestoris, so that, that one point increase kind of makes you reconsider, like, if certain units are really worth it, if you wanted to keep, you know, Tycho around and things like that, so mm -hmm. yeah, I've definitely had my fair share of dealing with uh, with Flayed Man, as I'm sure most people listening and watching have. Oh, 100%. Uh, they're probably the most <laughs> Drogo Flayed Men is probably one of the most ubiquitous combos. <laughs> yeah, um... yeah. I I'm getting a little PTSD right now just hearing that. <laughs> Out loud. we'll move on we'll move on quick shuffle them <laughs> under the carpet um please, please so in terms of i mean uh it's interesting so if we look at the stats uh their play rate uh, they're typically run at eight activations with like a five three the most this is without victorian um but we see typically uh the second most played system is a four three with a four plus one so that's a pseudo activation in relentless in victorian um they are the most popular lists is the eights uh, and if we actually look at the win rate, it is the four plus one and three NCUs uh, that's the most winning of them, if you will. Uh, but the nine activation running five activations and a pseudo activation and three NCUs is kind of comparing in the win rates quite well. Um, so again, we look at like the five three split with eight activations. Again, we see a decent win rate, all posting above 50%, which is quite interesting. The moment you drop down to seven activations, your win rate drops oh. like ten percent. Yeah. Um, yeah, that never that never really feels good. I know um, a couple of people I was speaking with were trying to make like elite gray joy like work really well, but that yeah, it always kind of struggles against uh, higher activation count armies. Yeah. Um, it is interesting because we we only we only show the data for the like, the five most popular of these because in theory there are loads um, of like offshoots but uh, right. two NCUs rarely makes it in and the uh, the five two 
is uh is a 30 38% win rate so that's pretty bad I'm curious have you ever discussed like the uh the volume of data that you have to to get these stats are we talking hundreds of games thousands of games so we're looking it, at it depends so um each faction uh we do sometimes have to discuss it we we've been collecting and i've got it written down here somewhere uh last week i set carlo some homework to tell me roughly how many games there were on the site um as of data that we currently analyze so that's season one and season one uh sorry season one and 2021 so about a year and a half now of data we have over ten thousand games i think it's like fifteen thousand games that we're analyzing yeah um so it is a lot of games um now that's a lot of games but of course only some of those are applicable to season one season one's only been going for like eh, kind of like five months at this point um five six months um so some of that is going to be like older data that is less relevant um but so i mean you can see all the games played here for season one Greyjoys have played just under three and a half thousand games it's like one and a half yeah. thousand, not three and a half. Jesus can't read numbers. Yeah, I mean that's 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 a good amount of data to be able to draw some some I think some more serious conclusions. Mm -hmm. Which is kind of that was kind of always my like uh, my question um, mm -hmm. with like a with like a game that's not super popular. You have like a, a website like yours, which is like community run, mm -hmm. and uh, I, I would say most casual players probably aren't going to like want to like record like stats because I, mm -hmm. I don't know why, but they just don't want to whenever I ask them. Mm -hmm. I was kind of curious, like oh, what kind of data you were actually working with, but that that is like a sufficient amount of data. Oh, um, yeah. So I mean, congrats, that, that's really cool. Um, it's interesting you mentioned that in terms of like getting communities and things to submit. I think one of the one of the big things we always struggle with, always struggle with, is perception. Um, and we kind of talked about it earlier in terms of like uh, ELO, MV or whatever. Um, but uh, <laughs> but one of the big things, you know, you said it. People don't like recording games because they don't like the number going up or down, or they don't think they don't want the kind of like that side of it. And and for us, it's like I literally record every game I played. Like I played three games of Eric Ironmaker. He's goddamn trash and i was writing to like john snow and donald as well like three nights watch games on the bounce which is like the worst Jeez. possible matchup <laughs> um and i'm like i want to, i'll record them and i always will record them not because i care about my number that much but because i want to record data um right and that for me is the most important thing is that the game is recorded so the, the stats reflect my play experience because my data is in there um and i think that that's always a big thing when people say oh, it doesn't reflect my experience well i always say to them well if you add to it then your experience will be included and you know it will hopefully change if you if what you're doing is working and consistently the data will reflect that and you'll earn a lot of points from it um and you'll be regarded as hey this guy's actually doing well with this thing that we think is crap what's he doing interestingly with it um through to you know you've actually added your data to the pile maybe Greyjoys really are that bad. <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah, uh, yeah. Well, okay. I'm curious. I, I have more questions then. So okay, when you're playing against another person, like, what's your sales pitch for getting them to record stats? Is it kind of like a I'm not going to play against you unless I can record stats because of X, Y, Z, or do you kind of like massage it in a different way? Um, this is hard because a lot of the community in the UK stats is relatively ubiquitous now um oh okay great, great. which is like every, every event that we're aware of any any large event uh aside from like one or two stores uh that we know of 
runs uh, their events through stats. Uh, a load of the community does, um, so it's not really an issue. But um, when we have done it before, I would always say, look, I I want to record the game on stats, uh, so I can add to the data. Do you mind doing that? Um, most of the time, people will say yes. Some people will say no. I say, look, I, it's not for ranking or anything like that. It's purely so we can add to the data and like get that thing across. Um, mm-hmm. Usually people are pretty good with it. And I think once people have experienced it for the first time, especially with tournaments, because the idea is that it really helps with tournament running. Um, I think once people have broached that and kind of like gone through that way, I think it really opens the door. And I think the other thing as well is that it's not actually for competitive play, really. Um, it's We designed it with the express intent so that people on the kitchen table or with their friends at home or on a stream can play on stats and can record games if they want to without having to say, look, this is a competitive game or not. That's just a game of A Song of Ice and Fire. That game is just as important to those two players as the top table at Nationals is. Um, oh, yeah, absolutely. And also, it helps It helps Simon. It helps Simon knows how balanced their game is. So I felt like they would love this system able to see like on paper like how they're how how they think their rules are actually functioning in in the real world yes so like there there are so many benefits to this but i mean let me let me just fire back a little bit like there's a lot of anxiety that goes into playing a miniature war game in the first place because i've invested all this time into painting my models into into setting up this game and to find time to go play and all these things and obviously people who aren't like maybe familiar with like mmr and like various video games and things like that to have it like on paper and like for everyone to see publicly just kind of adds that anxiety right so oh, i agree that's why yeah so you already have thought about this likely yeah yeah that is that is a thing um and it is something that obviously ultimately it's it's something that we can't do anything about um and what i mean by that is like it's not something that we we don't think about it's not something we ignore um mm. but the difficult thing for us is that we need those uh we need that information uh in order yeah. to actually do proper ELO calculations i think the big thing is that uh for us is that that number really doesn't tell me about you as a person it just tells me how you are performing at a song of ice and fire at this current time and right yeah 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 you know um and actually the, the big thing you know we talked about your your ranking kind of like being average if you will um sure. The thing is, like, the, most of the people you've recorded games against are in your local community. And if you keep playing those people in the same local community, the ELO in that local community doesn't change. So it'll just go backwards and forwards between you. And you can, like, in that local community, you can look at just your stats and go, like, I don't know, let's just uh, pretend that Curtis is at the top for the moment and say, like, Curtis is at, like, 1,600, and you might be at 1,500. And let's say Evan's crap. Let's say he's 1,400. Um, if you just guys keep playing... And Evan gets better, or Curtis runs like a worse faction, starts losing some games, or you decide to go back to three NCUs and your win rate goes up. <laughs> that ELO will balance out, and you'll go like, actually, Scott's now the best at 1600, and Curtis has maybe dropped down to 1500, and maybe Evan's still shit at 1400. <laughs> uh, oh, no, I'm uh, definitely the worst one of those three. So, <laughs> no, don't, don't put yourself down. I can't. I can't put his guest down. That would be terrible. You're great, Scott. Keep it up. Thank you. Thank um, you. Keep it up. Keep losing. Yeah, I will. Don't worry. Yeah, going well, champ. Um, so, <laughs> uh, I think that's the big thing. You are right, though, with the anxiety. Um, it isn't. It isn't something I'd ever broach. Just like as if, like, it's going on here. Deal with it. Um, 
and I would always make sure that people feel comfortable with it. Um, yeah. And you are right. I think you've it's got a culture to... thing, right? Yeah, yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. If if we if we kind of teach what you're teaching us right now to people we play, it's like mm -hmm. this is this is good for the game. I don't want it for myself. I want it because it's going to help like people who need to know the information be equipped to make the right choices to make this game more enjoyable for everybody. And so I mean, you gotta put on like your salesman pants a little bit, but I mean that that is a really compelling argument for why anyone should always record stats. Um, mm -hmm. But you know, it's not going to convince everyone. But I, I definitely agree with that. Mm -hmm. It's um, it's it is a big thing. Uh, you know, we there are people in chat saying, uh, you know, um, is there is there a possibility to split like casual and ranked? Um, we've we've done this before. We actually did this on the original site version when it went live all the way back in the many many horrible days of COVID uh, lockdowns, um, and that actually caused more problems than it was worth from our end in terms of analysing it, but also from a perspective of like people rated ranked games as more important than casual which kind of goes away from the very ethos that, of what we consider as like a game of a song of ice and fire is a game of a song of ice and fire um like you don't just look at competitive games when working out the balance of the game the fact that eric sucks and no one runs him at a tournament and when he play he gets played on like the kitchen table and he doesn't do well on the kitchen table like that's relevant <laughs> um so yeah i think that's the big thing um but yeah uh it could be a thing um it could be a thing in the future that we would potentially hide people's names from the site you challenge them like uh, they'd give you a username or whatever but they would appear anonymously on the rankings so you couldn't necessarily see them um so even if their number goes up or down it doesn't matter because there's a bunch of people called anonymous um yeah so that might be know. a thing uh, it, that that might not really get a lot of people to use it that aren't using it. So if it's yeah. currently functioning the way you want to function, the, the way you want to function, then I would maybe keep it. Mm -hmm. um, Paul Paul asked an interesting question. Weekly club games are often people testing lists in combination. Would people want to submit those games? And I would say absolutely. Yeah. As long as you're still trying, like that's valuable data for a different Eric Ironmaker Commander <laughs> list or a two <laughs> NCU list. You kind of want to see that you like people yeah. think that Eric is bad, but you want the data to show that he's also bad, you know? Yeah. And, and list testing is exactly what like, this is great for. If we only ever showed like, if we only ever showed top table tournament games, you'd have very skewed data that would be almost worthless. Like it wouldn't actually be worth the, the paper it was written on. And it's actually one of the big criticisms that when myself and Carlo look at game uh, analysis in other tournaments, they look at, Oh, who was in the top four? And they only ever look at the top four and actually what they don't realize is like in eight through to 16 in all of these like 64 to 100 player tournaments eight through to 16 is like always solidly one faction and their average is like 7.5 ranking and you're like how is a faction that's never won a tournament placed so highly regularly um whereas this faction that comes first also comes last so yeah um Consistency. Consistency matters, I think. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah. Uh, all right then. So we've kind of transitioned into the site. That was that was very well done of you, Scott. You're pretty good at this. Oh, you. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I love the site. I use it all the time. Um, yeah, I'd love to talk about it with you. Um, so we. I did say there was a bit of a surprise thing uh, based on the cool minis or not forum, and I know someone was asking about it before. Are we going to do a cool mini or not segment today? And we are, so I'm going to surprise you with this. Uh, all right, all right. This is the surprise segment. So, 
to set you up, Scott, you will remember the Seamon forums of old. The cool mini yes. or not. I posted on them. Yeah, brilliant, right? And you'll know that your heart sank massively when you'd go onto the ratings and you'd see people rating out of 10 and you'd get like 2 out of 10 could be this. 1 out of 10 could be better. Yeah? Yep. Yeah. Did you ever score over a 5? Oh, man, I can't remember. It's probably been like 8 or it's 7 or 8 years since I ever posted something on there. So I can't actually remember. Maybe I can remember not. my login info. Oh, God. Hey, <laughs> if you do, that would be amazing. Um. The but you know how harsh it is, right? We yeah, saw, absolutely. We, we saw Golden Demon winners on there getting like ones and twos, and you're like, what? <laughs> this is like almost a perfect model. <laughs> um, so we like to do it here with uh, images that have been submitted from the community to us. We like to give them a ring round. Now, Carlo always gives zeros because he is in true Cool Mini or Not uh, forum spirit, regardless of how good they are. You can choose what you rate them. You have all the power in your hands today, Scott. Okay, out of five. Out of ten. You have out of ten. Out of ten. We do out okay, of ten. Just... Yeah. What does Carlos give it? Carlos always gives zero, regardless. So... <laughs> <laughs> so... Savage. <laughs> right, we'll dive in. Uh, I've got like a selection of like six images of the unit that's been painted up, so I can flip between them. But uh, oh. let's zoom out. My login does work, and I do see some of my submissions. My uh, highest one was, oh, wow. I don't know, maybe like six or seven years ago, and it has a 7.4. Whoa, 7.4. That's pretty impressive. Thank you. Here, just to prove it, I can finish Yeah, just, just drop drops over a link, and I'll, uh, I'll throw it up on screen. This is something uh, that he totally did and got submitted through t like, totally legit means and not something mm -hmm. that he's just uh, taken a photograph and pretended to post up right now <laughs> uh, oh yeah i i i think i've seen it is this on one of your like montage things somewhere possibly I, yeah i think i've seen this yeah. before um yeah this this is for an old reddit competition but yeah posted back yeah. in 2016 that is pretty nice and that only got a 7.5 <laughs> um yeah I mean, it's. I, I'm not. I'm not going to say how good it is. I think it's fairly obvious how good that is. Um, oh, thank you, thank you. In comparison to my painting, you got more <laughs> than one color on that. Hey. <laughs> um, all right then. So uh, let's have a look. So this unit was uh, submitted by. He submits so much stuff to us to review almost weekly. It's crazy. Uh, Lucas Aurelius, um, Luke from the US. So this unit here. I'll send you a link so you can see all of these pretty things up close, Scott, and you can break them down in your own time. Um, this is a unit of the Karstark... Uh, brigands? Not the Brigands, no. Um, I can't for the life of me remember what the, half, the second half of the name is. There you go, I'll have to find it out very quickly. Uh, it's Karstark... Loyalists! There we go. Loyalists. Wow, see how often I see them on the table. <laughs> so, what do you think of these guys here? What's your opinion? Uh, and of course, any tips? I know you're pretty good at this whole painting thing, so... Yeah. Okay, so am I rating this like I'd be rating it on Cool Mini or not? Is that, is yeah, that yeah, the yeah, scope? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The scope is Cool Mini or not. Okay, okay. Um, out of 10? For... It's always so hard, because... I need to explain why. I need to hedge a little bit. Um, so if we are like 
considering you know how this unit compares to like maybe a unit entry in a competition like yeah. uh this would not stand a chance um and it does not mean that it's not painted well um for an army this is exceptional like uh <laughs> if this was if this is an army painting judgment i'd get this easily eight seven and a half somewhere in there mm -hmm. um for a competition i might give it a three you know because there are a lot of things to work on. But the, the, the question you got to ask yourself as an army painter is like, do I want to like really kind of just take all those details super seriously and spend a ton of time painting, mm -hmm. you know, a unit like this guy's already gone above and beyond because he did freehand or he or she did freehand on that banner. Like that's absolutely crazy. Maybe yeah. on the shield there as well. So like so much extra credit is going into this unit already that makes it look phenomenal on the table. And is it worth discussing it like as a competition painting entry? So I will settle in the middle. I'm going to give it a five out of 10, averaging oh, wow. those two scores. That um, is that is very generous of you, Scott. That is very generous. generous. Oak, what are you going to give it? I mean, if I base it on what I paint and how I paint and what I like to see against, like on the table, as you say, uh, not competition level, because uh, as you say, it's competition level you've been there uh you've been through the ringer it's ridiculous the kind of like categorization and the way that, what they expect um yeah i would actually probably give this a, a face in me a seven um as you were kind of saying like in it's part of a unit and he does paint his entire armies like this which is kind of crazy um oh man oh man yeah <laughs> he's uh he's very committed yeah i'd probably give it like a seven or eight uh but in honor of carlo i will give it a zero um <laughs> uh so yeah um it's lovely isn't it lovely lovely it is it? it looks it looks really good um i love people that base the movement trade same as the the bases on the models it just looks so it looks so awesome as a unit and like i can't really talk at all because while i do have i don't know maybe like 15 Greyjoy models painted at this point i don't have a full unit <laughs> painted at all um and so this looks really nice and actually encourages me to actually get off my ass and, and paint a full you i have to admit uh it's pretty bad for someone who's known for their painting prowess and hey. skills <laughs> hey i paint slowly all right actually actually i can call you out on that you don't it takes you like 30 is it 30 minutes to paint a Greyjoy miniature i know that because you did a video on it <laughs> Yes, uh, I can't. I can't paint some pretty quickly for sure. <laughs> no, uh, yeah, and it's, it, uh, I'll be honest. You know, you've obviously got other projects as well. It's not just these guys you're working on. And I can imagine, as much as uh, as much as painting is part of the hobby and you enjoy it, I can imagine as much of it is sometimes a bit of a chore. Yeah, it can be. At one point in my YouTube career, it was a bit of a chore. Mm -hmm. um, but I think that I have discovered a way to be able to do the job YouTube without impacting the hobby of painting a ton, mm -hmm. um, which, which actually is a really good thing because it used to not work out that way. And so I definitely, there are times when I paint in my free time and enjoyable. Yeah, that's a good thing for me, uh, fortunately. No, it's, it's always good to find the balance. Um... Yeah. And the balance is obviously different for everybody, but I know you obviously you've got home life and other things you want to do. Playing a song of some fire, of course, you know. <laughs> absolutely, uh, absolutely. Loose, you mean a song of ice and fire? Um, I didn't say that. I said play. I said play. <laughs> I have hope. You're right. You're right. <laughs> Thank you. That's what I need. That's what I need right now. Hope and prayers. Is that right? <laughs> yes. Yes. Sending from the UK. Um, <laughs> so, um, well, fantastic, fantastic. Uh, 
thank you very much for rating that. I'm sure Luke will be massively, massively happy with that. Uh, a solid five from yourself. Um, you know, absolutely. It will mean a lot to him. Um, I'm, so, I'm glad. I'm glad. Let's move on to, I guess, the last segment of today: tournaments. Now. I would actually, I want to ask your experience. You were at the one of the regionals up in up in your area uh, in Minnesota. Um, what was that like? It was it was a learning experience. Um, okay. I had I had played in two tournaments before that, so now I'm up to three. Mm-hmm. Um, and the uh, the previous tournaments, I had you know placed uh, moderately, uh, fourth and then third. Um, and this one, I did, I did very, very poorly. I, I lost okay. all three games because I was really trying to force something without thinking about it. Um, and I, I have like a, it gave me kind of a realization about the game that I want to run by you and I want, I want to hear if, if you think uh, like the same truth that I experienced. Okay. And that's that in the game of A Song of, of Ice and Fire, if you want to win, um, there are certain like elements that need to kind of fall into place. And uh, okay. One of those things is I feel like your card draw, your deck needs to be strong. Like you need to be getting the cards you want when you need them or they need to be valuable just at any time in the first place. You need some way of manipulating that if you, if you can't guarantee it. Um, you need to have a list that has an idea, a, a thing it's good at, and you need to like, you need to like work on that idea and make sure it's actually happening. Like you can't just like passively win a game of A Song of Ice and Fire. Um, and then your stats, sorry, your technique, your, your, your tactics needs to be good. Like uh, mm-hmm. your idea of how the game should work and, and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. so, so I think those three things are really important pillars in, in a game. And the, the one thing I learned was I was running a Euron list um, in Reapers with Silenced Men trying to do a panic thing. And every time I played the game, I was always deploying them kind of far away from each other. So they never, I was never like investing in the thing that my list is supposed to be good at, like causing lots of panic damage. And so um, I kind of felt like, okay, even if it's not strategically ad- advantageous for me to have these units next to each other, maybe I should just always do that so that my list can function the way it's supposed to function. Um, so I lost all three of my games and it was, uh, it was, it was sad, um, but I think I learned a valuable lesson pending Pending your thoughts. No, I, everything you said there does does kind of like ring true. There, there's the, the you say the card draw and the, and the order of things coming up. And to some extent, mm-hmm. I'd also put dice rolling into that as well. It is a dice oh, of game. Course, of course, of um, course, absolutely. That the luck side of it um, is somewhat mitigated when you talk about like being able to search for certain cards or knowing which ones to discard and things like this, because uh, there's no no point keeping them in hand. Uh, but yeah, in general, I believe that the three pillars that you've said are are true. Um, mm-hmm. I think a big thing when it comes down to the list, um, you are right. Your list has to have an idea, but also I think what's very important is understanding what you're likely to face. Um, and we, we, we joke about it and we talk about it and we mention it relatively often. Um, one of the things that's actually very, very important is knowing what your opponent does um i'm not expecting you to know literally everything but having a good knowledge of your opponent's deck and knowing at the list building phase well if they play this card what happens how does that impact me um i think is very important um i've done more recently a couple of studies on this um because i i 
come at it from a free folk perspective um and i think the logic works for greyjoys as well to some extent so i ask myself a lot of the time what is the implications when playing against a certain faction of me taking a certain type of action so let's take a ranged attack as the particular study that i did um so i'd go through the deck and i would look at what happens if i make a ranged attack on this army and i create a list of things and i go right well that list is actually quite short or in some cases the list is non-existent it's just a ranged attack there are no negatives coming back at me that can happen the only possible thing that can happen from this result is i do damage to you or i don't and that's not a bad thing for me if i don't do damage if i'm willingly taking that on knowing that there's a possibility of no damage um there's not going to be some other negative um so that's kind of one of the things i look at and i do that for a lot of actions and then it's about aligning my list when it comes to thinking a lot of those moving parts to interact with as le as as few of those options my opponent has as possible um so, for example, Greyjoys, right? And it's a big issue in the Greyjoy deck. 100% massive issue. A lot of what you do is start of turn triggers or when you activate triggers. And a lot yeah. of the when you activate ones are very heavily based around being engaged. So if you aren't engaged, and I can't really stop start of turns. That's just a thing that happens. But if yeah. I make you want to make more than one, maybe that's a good choice um if i can limit when i play against you those options i'm already in a driving seat for the game because i don't have to worry about those as often okay yeah um you're limited you're limiting your opponent's options for like recourse like coming back at you by yeah. like creating lists of like things they can do like mentally whenever you give them the opportunity to do those things yes it's a pretty interesting way to look at the game actually um and then when when I do that, like I, I the study I did specifically on ranged attacks, because I personally think that ranged attacks at the moment are one of the most powerful sections of the game, um, purely because the recourse when I did the the study is relatively limited. Um, uh, if you look at it, uh, the list that I generated, if I found it here, uh, Starks specifically, um, basically Greyjoys, except what is dead may never die, but we don't really count that. Um, but Starks and Neutrals literally don't do anything. There's nothing in those decks except like Asher two-point attachment and Brynden cavalry attachment with Sentinel um, that react. And we don't see that version of Asher very often and we don't see the attachment Brynden very often. So I really don't have to worry too much about anything. Starks, Greyjoys and Neutrals, I can shoot all day long. They won't do anything bad back to me um for lannisters it's things like lannister supremacy well i can play around that i know where that is on the board i don't have to shoot the units that have that if i don't want to that's a, an active choice um the list gets a lot longer when you look at other factions and it's interestingly basically the power level of the factions typically indicates the number of responses so something like night's watch has quite a lot of responses to that ranged attack baratheons have quite a lot of responses to that range attack and then we look at the power ratings and we see that what well, night's watch is number one and baratheon are number three and they're all posting good win rates huh 
I wonder why that is. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's not hard to find value in their deck at any point in the game. Maybe yeah, you're suggesting. Yeah, exactly. The value can be generated through multiple ways. Whereas yeah. against Greyjoys, I have a navigation path around that, and it even gets worse for Greyjoys because, like, for Free Folk, um, I don't want to be engaged with you because it activates so many cards. And hey. If I'm not engaged with you, I can also trap you. <laughs> yeah. And that's damage. Yeah. So doubling down on that. Yeah. Thing. That's cool. I really appreciate that insight, like mm -hmm. into into like a unique way to think about like dealing with an opponent. Because like um people often say that they can see how I'm an engineer, but maybe this is also another way is you, you basically are quantifying the play experience in a way that's like really easy to like look at. Mm -hmm. And for me, that's like super valuable. So I might start to think about that. Like when I play my games, if I do X, like what are the possible list of outcomes that can happen mm -hmm. based on the faction that I'm playing specifically and the list they're running. That's cool. It's almost like uh, it's almost like process flowing it. Right. Uh, as you know, yeah. um, and, uh, and there's all kinds of things. I do that as well for like, when I've like been played against as well, like what components do I want in my list? Because I don't have reactions. So something like, uh, for me, Harmer, but something like Asher, two point, would be an interesting addition to a Greyjoy list because it adds a factor in that you otherwise wouldn't normally have. I'm not suggesting that she's good, um, but it adds that kind of like framework into a list build that you can maybe then play with. Um, and it's yeah, it's stuff like that I, I kind of like run with and enjoy. Um, mm -hmm. But it doesn't work clearly, as he says, running Eric multiple <laughs> times. Uh, <laughs> uh, so yeah, um, right. I think. Oh yeah, you mentioned last one. Sorry uh, about the play, uh, like the board state and stuff. Mentioned it earlier with like we're getting one shot and things like this, uh, and then the deployment. I actually think deployment specifically is a massive part of the game right now. Um, uh, you kind of identified that yourself, like, mis misdeploy, list doesn't work all of a sudden. Yeah, yeah especially in infantry games, um, like, I will I will often, I don't know if, if my opponents just do this a lot, uh, but Curtis, the Targaryen player, he will spend, like, the first turn and a half, like, just essentially redeploying his army, moving around, and in, in an infantry army, can't really do that. So, like, kind of how you're deployed is kind of how you're stuck with it. Um, so, yeah, deployment in a rank and flank game with low mobility, I feel like it's always going to be massively valuable. Yeah, yeah, it, it really is. And and again, Greyjoys, they're not very maneuverable. You know, they're all infantry. Wendy does his bit, but it's really not enough. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, uh, I, I if I was to if I was to like. Uh, like your analysis you're gonna like memory dump if you will your mind dump i do mm -hmm. think that uh i do think the the foundations are all there it's just now bringing them all together um and like you say i think uh keep trying the two nc lists i do think you'll probably see more success with three and you said yourself that a lot of your history is with three um mm -hmm. yeah if i mean as a general tip uh scott though i don't know if you're aware um we will see but uh, you enjoy the site, you enjoy the stats. Yeah, yeah. If you want list ideas, there is a Greyjoy player you could probably look at. Oh, absolutely. Let's let's let's, let's check it out. Uh, or whenever. This guy at the top here, Mikel. 
You may have seen him on Pike before. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, I know that name. Yeah, yeah. he's pretty good at the game. Yeah. Uh, guy from Spain. Uh, lovely guy, by the way, uh, Mikel. Um, he plays almost exclusively Greyjoys. <laughs> so, if you wanted to go and get some list ideas, uh, get some like, even if it's like taking his list and like then making it your own by like taking things out you don't like, I do think he runs, for example, a lot of neutral stuff. Um, so yeah, let flame men. <laughs> um, so maybe he's looking at those and maybe he's trying to pull them around to what you wanted to run. Um, might be a good idea. But he has got plenty and plenty of Greyjoy list ideas and kind of like things that he runs. Um, Three units uh, of Ironborn archers. Let's go. What the heck? (laughs) I love this. Yeah. Uh, So there you go. If anything, use this man uh, as a a good idea. Uh, All right. Will do. uh, He's pretty good at the game, though, as well. It does help that he's pretty good at the game. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Cool. Awesome. Um, Well, we are nearing the end of today's show, um, and we will quickly go into the tournament segment uh, as we would finish it off. There is actually, uh, I did actually forget a last little bit of news um, that I did want to cover with anybody, everybody uh, in case people didn't know. Um, and that is, uh, we saw uh, a Spanish tournament turn up for Spanish nationals uh, that's occurring um, in September this year. Fantastic. Love to see it. Uh, I think it's probably going to be run on stats. Certainly it has previously. Um, big, big news, everybody. Uh, Asmodee are kind of like running it, collaborating with it, whatever. Um, on the bottom here, if anyone can read this in Spanish. Thankfully, as I say, my Spanish is impeccable and I totally didn't uh, translate this before the episode. Um World, the World Championship will be held in 2023 in Thailand. So, Thailand. Yeah. Is there an audience there for this game? For this game? I asked this exact question. (laughs) Uh, There is a growing community. I don't know how large it is. Um, It is uh, the simon headquarters is in singapore and they have had experience with running events in like that area of the world before so i think they've gone safe for the first world's option um we could talk about like is this really the most sensible um with uh stuff like you know a huge player base being european based Uh, there's a relatively large us scene that's now growing thankfully um we could question whether or not thailand was the best choice uh but yeah, it is happening in Thailand, um, and uh, rumor has it, rumor has it, that they may be paying for flights for people to get there as well. Wow. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Dang. So uh, winners of winners of national events. That's things like Gen Con happening this uh, this coming weekend. Um, will potentially be invited for us in the UK. It'll be the the London Grand Tournament, the massive uh, event we've got running in uh september october um the german national event that's happening like this coming weekend the spanish national event the french national event happening in bordeaux um all of those all of those events (laughs) uh including the italian national event that's already run i'm guessing so uh yeah there you go 
Uh, yeah, you're, you're setting up to go to Thailand, essentially. That's which is, which is pretty cool. It's a cool country to go to for sure. It is, yeah. And I, I I really want to go over there now, right? I I really want to win a national event anyway. Uh, yeah. And now I really want to go over and and get a shot at going to Thailand. So. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Cool. Um. All right then, we'll run into uh kind of like uh what is coming up in the near future uh give all these places a shout out so we've got an event happening in lexington kentucky uh small event uh monday night melee that is happening tonight and starting tonight so i hope all the guys in kentucky who may be watching enjoy yourselves um we've got an event happening in new south wales in australia windsor um so that's happening on saturday we've got an event happening in on Saturday and Sunday, uh, which is the German Nationals event. Uh, I was talking to Yannick, uh, not Yannick, sorry, Ilya, um, about some of the stuff there. Um, I really, really hope that uh, German Nationals event goes really well. And he's also got a, a scenario that I think he's going to have, like a custom-built scenario used as kind of like a meet-and-greet event type thing that he's going to run, um, which is awesome as well. Um, so uh, some custom stuff there. We've got an event happening in the House of Orcs, uh, Jasper from the House of Orcs and everything that they're doing, fantastic work um, trying to grow the Italian scene. So, yep, hope that goes really well. Um, we've got an event happening in Poland, in Warsaw. Where would we be without an event happening in Poland every week? God. Every week. Every week. <laughs> every week. Um, one, oh, wow. Uh, Utah, the Northern Utah Open happening uh, on July 30th through to uh, Tuesday the 2nd, uh, which is nowhere near you, Scott, but it's one certainly closer to you than me yeah definitely <laughs> uh, uh the top cup for the german nationals that's something on the sunday uh so the top 16 i think top eight i think they're doing uh cut for german nationals is happening on sunday there is an event happening in santander spain on sunday and they're all oh, the bad moon one in london's technically next week is next tuesday so i'll have to stop there so this week we've got one two three four five six seven eight events happening across the world um i really hope they all go well you know um scott are you going to be attending any of these events um i will not be but i am i'm going to be watching the results from gen con because i have several friends who are involved yes. in that and i can't wait to see how it works out for them is that is that this weekend as well uh it's so i know that the person normally produces my streams evan isn't going to be able to next thursday so i think it's not this week, but sometimes, sometimes next week. Yeah, I think it's next week. Yeah, yeah. Um, Carlos uh, over in the US as it stands, he's actually in the US already. He's gonna be going to Gen Con. Um, he's playing uh, in the Ultimate Frisbee World Championships um, randomly. Uh, and uh, for what it's worth, if anybody cares, earlier today he unfortunately lost the, they they're, they're three games into the event and they lost their first group game. Um, so they're currently two and one. Uh, but they are still in contention to winning the world championship, if anyone cares. <laughs> um, but yes, uh, all right then. We will end the episode there. Scott, any last words from yourself? Thank you for having me on. This was a ton of fun. I love the game with Song of Ice and Fire. It's the only chance I can get to talk about it more often. It's always uh, welcomed. Yeah, I appreciate you being, having me on the show. Nice, all right. Have you enjoyed yourself on it? Absolutely. It's a ton of fun. Cool. The, the check is in the mail for saying that. Um, so <laughs> uh, thank you very much for everyone who's joined us, guys. Uh, I hope you've all really enjoyed today's episode. Uh, thanks again to Scott for joining us. And uh, for anyone who's playing games of A Song of Ice and Fire over the next week, I really hope you enjoy yourselves. 
I'll be back again next week with somebody who knows. And uh, we'll do this all again. <laughs> Thank you very much for tuning in, guys. Ready? Aim! There's too many! Anyone see my mammoth? Oh! Stop me!